Oh, I see an amber live. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the Redecentralized interview. Today we've got Daniel Silverstone from GF Share, which is a project that breaks up uh, digital things like keys and coins into pieces in an interesting way. Hello, Daniel. Hi. Hi, Francis. Um, so, so Daniel, can you tell us, like, what, what is briefly, what is GF Share to start with? Just okay. Well, uh, the software that I wrote originally is as a library, and oh, oh, that's me. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> it just shows that we we record this in a casual manner. <laughs> it is rather. I've I've just muted my phone, so that doesn't happen for me as well. Um, so. GF Share is a library. It uh, also has some example tools for sharing secrets, and what that means is taking data files rather than sort of passwords and splitting them up in such a way that you can then give anybody really those splits and know that it's completely secure and that they, they or a subset of them have to come back together again to recover the secret. Um, you can do that between people or even just you know, between devices. So, for example, my laptop has some secrets on it, and if I just oop, give you that, that's got some of it, but I could hand that over to anyone and not lose any secrets. So this isn't exactly like, like a vault in a bank. It's not got an analogy in the real world, has it? You can't divide real things up. Or, or is it more like, I don't know, if I took a note and split it in two or something and you would need both parts, what's the kind of... It's, it's, it's a very difficult thing to, to put into a physical analogy because it's based on a mathematical property of, um, of big, complicated polynomials. Uh, if you took a note and you wrote it down on a piece of paper and then you sort of tore it in half and handed it to two different people, then those two different people have half of the information that you had on the note. Mm. Whereas if you take a secret and you split it into two parts and hand it to two different people, Mathematically, those two different people have zero information until they come together and recombine it, and then they have all the information. Yeah. So just to give a, a concrete example of from the user's point of view, so you're a, a Debian developer, which is an open source operating system, and you've got a very important key that's really valuable that lets you get into various servers and things, and you that's split right. that up into lots of different pieces? Yes. Um, I, I have a piece on my laptop. I have a piece on a server of mine. I have a piece on a machine downstairs in my house, and I have a couple of pieces on that SD card that I waved at you a moment ago. And you need three of those five pieces in order to recover the secret. So the SD card and any one of my computers can recover the secret, or all three of my computers in the case that I lose the SD card. Okay, so they would have to both like mug you and break into your house rather than one or the other in order to, to get hold of the thing. Um, and of course, once I was mugged or someone broke into my house or the police came and took away my server that's co-located in Manchester, I would know that it had happened and could replace all the other secrets so that even if they subsequently did one of the other things, they wouldn't have the data. Wow. Okay. Um, who's like using this? It's been around for a few years now, hasn't it? But not particularly well known, except in some communities. So can you tell me a bit about who's who's using it and what they're doing with it at the moment? Yeah. Um, so at the moment, uh, there is uh, a very obvious use. If we, we go back to the mention of Debian, the uh, FTP team, the people that look after the Debian archive, have some secret keys that they use for signing the Debian archive. 
and we use that to know that no one's tampered with the software since Debian got it. And those keys are actually split up and uh, distributed among people who aren't necessarily people who have FTP team powers. Um, there's actually a page on the Debian website that, that shows this, and we'll put a link somewhere, or, or we can show that a little later. And yeah, I can add a link. Uh, yes. Yeah. And so I think it's 9 of 14. So there are 14 shares in the world, and 14 different people hold them. And if you can get nine of those people to collude, they can recreate the kit. <laughs> and there are a yep. different 12 people, any seven of which could collude to create the revocation certificate, so that that way, even if we can't recover the key, we can recover the thing that tells the world that we've no longer got the key and you shouldn't trust it anymore. Mm. So it's so, it sort of is a bit like a door with many locks, and you give one of the keys to different people, only it's even more awesome than that, basically. Yes, yeah, and that's, that's, that's one way of, of thinking about it. it um, everyone that has any part of the secret has zero information mathematically, which also makes it quite nice from the point of view of if you're forced to give up all of your, your secrets through nefarious government means, Mm. then you're actually giving up zero information. So, so I find it quite reassuring that there's the kind of redundancy. So I can lose some of my secrets, and I haven't lost my whole key necessarily, which is, is kind of interesting. The other flip side of it. Yeah, um, yeah, and knowing that I can lose my laptop, and as long as I've still got my other two computers and my SD card, I'm safe. Or that I can lose the SD card, and I'm still safe. Is, is very valuable to me, and I've actually got other shares of other secrets in various places. You can see my safe just behind me here. That's got a some number of the shares for some of my other keys in it, but not all of them. Yeah, I've got some, some Bitcoins that I'd love to keep in a, a more interesting manner like that that I don't know at the moment. Yeah, and Bitcoin wallets ultimately are just digital data, so you could quite conceivably make a secret split of your Bitcoin wallet identity, the, the secret key that, that can assert the identity of the wallet, and then you know pick a few friends that you trust to hold those shares. And in this context, trust doesn't mean that you trust them with your money. It just means that you trust them not to collude to take your money away from you. Yeah. Okay, let's let's do a little bit a technical bit then. I'm oh, sure gosh. the geeky <laughs> the geeky users will want to know how this works. Like what's technically interesting about this and how, how it works. Okay, um, I did actually prepare something, so I'm going to and I know you've got screen for a moment. Papers are linked to with the full details of this, but we'll just give a quick like overview so you can get an idea for how it might be even possible. Um. Okay, so this is my very technically drawn graph. Uh, I'm sorry to say that I'm not a brilliant artist, and I normally do this on a whiteboard. But if you can imagine that this lovely vertical line here is our y-axis, and our not-quite-horizontal line is our x-axis. We put a secret down on the y-axis somewhere. So there's our secret. And the value of the secret, the, the y-coordinate of the secret, is the value that we're protecting. It's, a, it's just a number. Yeah, now, so the... what we then do is we pick some random points along the x-axis that we want to generate shares for, 
and we can just basically pick any number along there. Um, we then put a spot. Hello. Oh, you are back. Okay. We yeah. then put a, another marker on the graph, uh, and this is just basically that share there. If we wanted to have uh, a secret share where you needed two people to come together to create the secret again, then what we just do is we project a line from the secret through one of these random shares that we've created and on. And then we can pick any other point along that line, say that one there, project that down to the x-axis, and we have another share. And we can do that as many times as we like for as many shares as we like, but because we picked a straight line, any two shares will be able to recreate the secret. Because if I delete that secret line, and I delete our secret number, all I need to do to recreate the secret is to pick one of my shares, project a line through the other one, and we come back to the y-axis where our secret was. Okay, so this is using that if you've got a line with two points on it, you need both the points to know what the line is. And if you've just got one of the points, that's not enough. Once you've got both points, you can then extend the line and find the other place on it. Exactly. So if you only have one point, there are infinite places where a line could go through that point mm. and the y-axis. But the moment you have a second point, it's completely defined. Mm. You can extend that then, and for anybody who's, who's listening that remembers quadratic equations, when you get a <laughs> quadratic curve, which is you know, uh, a curve with x to the power 2 in it, then you need, and I can draw my very bad quadratic curve. There you oh, go. I thought you were going to use some Inkscape tool that did quadratic curves. <laughs> oh, no. Then any three points will define this curve perfectly. The moment you have a cubic curve, you need four points, and so on. Right, so this is that to solve a polynomial you need the number of dimensions of the polynomial, but one less than that gives you no information basically for... Exactly, yeah. so okay. there are infinite quadratic equations that pass through any two given points. And when, when did you have this like idea, how did it... Um, I'm just going to jump how, how did it come? How did it come about to implement this, and what were the kind of technical difficulties in actually making it work? Um, um, a while ago, and goodness me, this library was written initially back in the beginning of 2006. I think the first commits in the revision control history that I'm at least admitting to were from the 12th of January in 2006. I was good friends with a gentleman in Cambridge called Mark Wooding, who is a cryptographer and he maintains a library of cryptographic primitives called Catacoon. I think we can probably find a link to that somewhere. Mm. And uh, he was explaining to me this idea of Shamir's secret sharing and telling me about you know, a way that he was doing it. And I thought, this sounds quite fun. I, I you know, quite like cryptographic algorithms. And decided to have a go at implementing it myself. And, most of what I write and publish is written for myself, and it always amuses me when other people actually come along and like it. And in around about April of 2006, another friend of mine decided that this was interesting, but he didn't believe it worked. So he actually sat down and 
re-derived a proof for it and wrote some extra test cases to demonstrate that it was definitely right. And um, that that paper is actually in the GF shared distribution. Okay. There's, there's so a tech tech file with a PDF. Uh, you, well, you can generate a PDF with the proof. So you've had it. you've had a decent amount of like mathematical peer review of the fundamental algorithms, basically. Well, I mean, Adi Shamir came up with yeah. the fundamental algorithms behind it, um, and obviously that was was well reviewed. But this implementation has also been checked and and reviewed as well. Uh, okay. Yeah. 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 It's one of the things that sort of scares me about lots of there's lots of the re-decentralization stuff, like. The, the, the scare that there was a weakness in Bitcoin last week based on, on um, uh, people controlling a, sh a share of it yep. in a particular way and the idea that suddenly my yeah, there might be a cryptographic weakness discovered in some protocol I'm depending on to maybe store my distributed hash tree data yeah, is kind of, does, I think that must worry people a little bit subconsciously. Is it something you come across, like people being worried that suddenly this will be broken? And the Debian archive will be compromised or something. Well, um, it's um, it's it's an interesting thing, but because it's such a simple concept, you can actually prove the the correctness of it with a ruler and a whiteboard. Yeah. And and yeah. to me that that instills a much greater confidence when you're sat there going, okay, well, this is as hard as the discrete logarithm problem in elliptic curves, then a normal person can't actually understand how hard that might be. Whereas you can give mm. them a ruler and a graph and one point and tell them to work out the secret. Mm. And they can't. Okay. Um, I'm going to move on to the implications again. Um, so I know you've got a few other people who've been using GFshare. Can you tell us a bit about what they've been doing on top of it and what they've been using it for? Yeah, sure. Um, and I mentioned the, the Debian use of it. That's just using the tools that uh, exist in, as an example in the library. The kind uh, of command I line wrote, programs, yeah. Yeah, sort of traditional Unix command line programs. I also wrote a little file system that allows us to share um, secrets out and then recreate them on demand rather than needing to type stuff into the command line. And that's what my laptop uses in conjunction with the SD card. So I don't have to type anything. I just have to put the card in and the laptop does the right thing. And then another gentleman, Alan Bent, has built on top of that very recently. And I wrote SecretFS years ago as well. Um, and Alan Bent wrote a tool called GFK, which again we'll link to. And that uses SecretFS, which uses libgfshare, uh, to try to build a slightly more user-friendly tool for people to keep their secrets safe. Is that like designed to be like an end-user tool where any Ubuntu user or something can split up their, their bitcoins a, or their keys? That's a tough one. Um, I don't think it's near it's nearly user-friendly enough for that yet. This is definitely still aimed at people who are already aware of security, who are already mm. thinking of things like GPG keys and that kind of thing. Um, but I think that most people would be able to get a hang. Of, of, of how it works. Um, it's certainly more friendly than SecretFS, which just yeah. assumes you're happy to mess around in the file system to make it work. And suppose we found some way of making this like mass adoptable, literally by large segments of the population, um, and it was just as well known as how to use a safe. 
maybe there would be physical objects you'd have that represented bits of data or something. There'd be lots of USB keys, and you get three of them, and you can undo the the code. What do you, can you think of? Like, what would people maybe use it for? That's that's more understandable to everyone. Um, that's um, I, I I think that things like the the Bitcoin wallet uh, is is a good example of something that people could use it for. Um, yeah. You could also just use it like we mentioned earlier, to, to mitigate against the risk of losing stuff. If, if you know that your friend, your, uh, your wife, and uh, any two of the members of your extended family between them can reassemble your secrets, it means uh... that if you are incapacitated in some, in some manner, yeah. then things that you have... Um, asserted, things that you've set aside can be processed. There's a massive problem at the moment of um, what do you do with someone's data when they are no longer able to do anything with it? Yeah. And this provides a way to have a situation where, for example, you could say that as long as there's an oracle somewhere that agrees that someone has died, you can then have multiple people use that information to decide to give up a share to put together to retrieve yeah. people's data. So there would be a, a kind of cryptographic power of attorney, basically. Yeah. Yes, uh, very much so, um, but not isolated into one person, which yeah. I think it spreads risk and it also increases your ability to trust someone to the level necessary to hand over a share. Yeah, so even something basic like my house key, it's useful for a neighbour to have a copy of my key, but it's also risky because then they can break in or somebody breaks into their house can come into my house. So Indeed. instead I could give my house key to two neighbours who have to get together to get in, but yes. can, can do that. Um, and if I had a digital door lock using some Internet of Things device or something, then maybe I could do that. And I could have yeah. an actual physical key with the GF share on a, on a physical thing. Um, and this technology is used by, um, by companies that have sort of physical security tokens. And they use smart cards like a like a normal credit card with a little chip on it that stores the shares. And sort of everybody that has a share has to come along and plug their card into the machine, and then the thing can regenerate the secret oh, and wow. what, sign what, another certificate. What kind of businesses go to that length at the moment? That sort of thing you will find for the root certificate of a signing authority like VeriSign. Um, you'll find that in some banks and the like. Um, it's typically used to sort of guard the crown jewels, as it were. But in that, you combine the, the technical side of GFShare with also a physical token of needing to get together physically to, to recombine the share, because you can't get the data off the smart card, except <coughs> in the machine that can do it. Interesting. Um, and that's, yeah, interesting. That's already widely used. It's just not something that's available to the general public. So, Indeed. Yeah. It's, it's this sort of widely known, but not massively used, and I think mostly because no one's put the effort into making it really user-friendly. Yeah. So I just want to quickly mention the uh, Vinay Gupta had the idea when he heard of GF Share of, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm going to say, of, of juries. Ju uh, sort of, so this is, um, it's quite hard to explain this, but I'm, I, do you, can you have a go at explaining it? Or Oh gosh, well I can, I can say what I was saying the other day. Um, that the idea is that if everybody has secrets, then that's a good thing because they can use those secrets to 
assert ownership of things or to encrypt their data so that only they can read it, that kind mm, of thing. Keep their privacy and so Exactly. Pr protect privacy and also protect ownership. But if, you know, pe people are unfortunately people and human nature means that sometimes they do things that are against what a society mm. would want, you need a way to force someone to relinquish their secrets. And that's very, very hard to do. Because you know, some, they can lie. They can not admit to where it is. When the, they hear some, the police knocking on the door, they can delete the data. Yeah. So, if what you do is you say everybody who has a secret has to make a split, and let's say they make a, a ten-way split, that seven of which are needed to reassemble their secret, then mm. you pick ten random people in society, which means that you can trust those ten people equally and you hand out one share to each person. The uh, court can subpoena those people to come along, examine the, the merits of the case, and decide for themselves yeah. whether they think it's worth giving up their share of the secret, which means that you need to be convincing 70% of the holders of secrets to hand them over in order to regenerate the secret and maybe decrypt the data that's either going to mm. that's going to prove the guilt of the person that's mm. under trial. <coughs> uh, and I think that um, Vinay took that a step further and decided that it would also be good if you could then say, okay, everybody that's holding secrets keeps them encrypted under a secret key, and you can therefore subpoena the holders of the shares of the keys of the people who hold the shares of the key <laughs> of the person that you want to get the secret off. So let's I'm say not, you I'm not sure we're all following, but yeah, keep going and we'll. So, so you managed to convince six of the ten people that they should give up their shares. You've now got six of seven shares that you need, and if you can convince another seven people out yeah. of a pool of um, 28 people to give up their shares, then you can unlock an extra share that you need yeah. in order to examine the yeah. secret that you were originally yeah. after. And so this this almost like provides a hierarchy of, of jurors. Or, or this is re recursive subpoena, I believe, is that is being as <laughs> crazy to describe. Yes. Um, right. So the, just to quickly go back on back to the non-recursive version of that, to make sure people get it, because it's kind of quite subtle. It's that you can have essentially instead of saying, I don't know, the NSA can spy on everyone, and we trust them to detect to only use that to stop terrorism. Yeah. You'd instead have a system that said, if a jury of seven of ten people get together and seven of them agree to let a specific person be spied on, then they can be. And and then you would so you've got a naturally built in like basically the same as we have a jury in criminal cases to stop too much power accruing to the state, but at, and at the same time to stop criminals getting away with what they're doing. We could also have a jury in a network in an information system that says if enough people agree, then then they then someone's privacy can be broken, but only if enough people agree that there's merit to that to to justify it. There's enough of a crime going on to justify it. It's kind of interesting. Exactly. And, and you can tweak the numbers to, to make it fit the kind of society mm. that, um, mm. that you're in, or even to protect different levels of secrets. Um, it also has the interesting advantage that you can say, okay, well, everyone is accountable in the same way. 
you don't need the NSA to convince seven people of ten to re to to come together and put a secret together, mm. um, which means that actually everyone has to be aware of of the power they hold by holding a share, and so hopefully it levels things out a little bit. So. Uh, thank you, Daniel. So GF shares, both a practical thing I can use now to keep keep my digital coins and keys safe, and also potentially it lets us do really interesting things with digital governance and juries and things. Indeed. Um, so can you just finally, to end, how can people help out if they're interested in GF share and they want to contribute? I mean, I know, yeah, the actual project is 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 very stable, but there are other things on top of it as well. Yeah, so GF Share itself has basically been code complete for six years, but um, SecretFS and then on top of that, things like GFK are still potentially active projects. It would be nice to see someone developing something that, um, how can I put this, an average Joe using, you know, a a standard PC or, or Mac would, would find comfortable for protecting their data. Um, and also people sitting and thinking about the sorts of things like this recursive democratic jury system. Um, that kind coming up with ways to use technology is just as valuable as improving the technology itself. Mm. You were saying you thinking you might write a paper about that. <laughs> well I was saying that uh, it certainly deserves one um, and I think that uh, Vina and myself may have to get together and try and write something. Um, it's it's not right that that kind of idea disappears. Hmm. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Uh, it was Thank great you. to talk to you. And um, yeah, <laughs> I hope I hope this goes even more exciting directions. Yeah. Could be good. <laughs>